Oh, it's a jam-packed episode, Andy. What are we doing? We're talking under-the-radar signings, still free agents that are out there in the market, and of course, a little sneak peek into some mock drafts. It's a juicy one, friends, but first, drop that brass. And once again, welcome back to the One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. We've made it through. And just, I know the listeners were wondering, uh, the Nintendo is up and running. I was playing WrestleMania last night. Fantastic. Who's your character of choice? I mean, it's tough to beat Hulk Hogan. I think he was just like the icon. But again, I'm still easing myself into it. There are a lot of, a lot of good characters. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated on, on what the cage match looks like tonight. Okay, yeah, let's, let's get into the real nuts and bolts of that. We, uh, we obviously came to you at the start of the free agency period, highlighted some of those, we'll call them, you know, the big signings for the New York football giants, and it basically represents where the bulk of their money is going to go. Obviously, we know that uh, the franchise tag was applied to Leonard Williams. And then the big signing was James Bradbury, the cornerback position, also brought in Blake Martinez over from the Green Bay Packers and tried to uh, feather out that linebacker edge rushing core with Kyler Frackrell as well. Uh, Fackrell as well, excuse me. Now, the other ones, in addition to uh, Toyolola at the tight end position, after we got off the air, the Giants brought in on a one-year deal offensive tackle Cam Fleming. They also signed Nate Ebner, the safety formerly of the uh, New England Patriots. So that was the first uh, Joe Judge connection there. And then uh, we also applied the second round uh, free restricted free agency tender on Alex Rosas, in addition to bringing in an additional backup quarterback in Colt McCoy. Big mouthful there, but any, any takeaways from these obviously second-tier signings, you know, as you're getting into kind of the, the back end of the free agency period, did you like what the Giants did to supplement the initial signings? I absolutely love what the Giants did. And we haven't been able to say that a lot around these parts for the last quarter of a year. Um, you know, Cameron Fleming, easy to draw, uh, you know, some connect the dots there, you know, was in Dallas with uh, Jason Garrett and uh, Mark Colombo. So there is some familiarity, you know, one of those swing tackles, not necessarily a guy that you sit there and say, okay, we've solved one of our tackle positions, but in a pinch can come in and, and be able to play both left and right side and, and can do it serviceably. So, you know, in the same breath, I think, you know, Nate Ebner connect the dots with uh, Joe judge being a special teams guy. I love that Joe judge, you know, paid up to make sure Cody core came back, who was fantastic on special teams last year. I really love the fact that Joe judge is saying, we were good at this. Let's be great. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we don't have the best offensive line or if we don't have the best secondary, let's be great at something. And that something can be special teams. So he's almost doubling down on this investment. And I love that, you know, you know, we, we talk about the last piece of it. And the reason why I've kind of buried the lead is the Colt McCoy signing is super underrated. I, I you know, our backup right now is Alex Tenney, who, if you look at Twitter, he's just absolutely, you know, mercilessly destroyed as not being a capable backup, might be the worst backup in the league. Um, you know, we, we got Cole McCoy on a $1.5 or $1.1 million deal. It's basically peanuts. The guy has started almost 50 games in his career, loves mentoring young people. 
I, I can't think of a better backup for Daniel Jones than someone like Colt McCoy. Yeah, you know, I, I love the signing of Ebner. It unfortunately, on the last episode where I said I was trying to speak Michael Thomas's return into existence, I think that this probably indicates that Thomas won't be back, but you bring in, again, a guy that can be the leader of the special teams unit and will obviously be playing at a high level as he did for New England. And, and like you said, continue to make the special teams unit a, a strong point for, for this team going forward. The McCoy signing, I really do like as well. What I heard out of Washington and his other stops is that Everybody in the locker room loves him. You know, he's a team guy. He's 34 years old. So obviously he's, he's already in that mentor kind of role. And unlike in years past, you know, we, we hope that Daniel Jones has a healthy, has a healthy career and doesn't have to miss a game here or there. But, you know, that, that Eli Manning never miss a game is not necessarily going to be the scenario. So having someone that can back up Daniel Jones, help him to grow, obviously, as well. But if you need him to come in, you can feel comfortable that he's been on the NFL field before. It's not even a knock on, on Tanny and what his acumen can be. He's just not a guy that's ever really played games in the NFL. So I thought that that was also a solid signing uh, for the Giants going forward. Well, the, Adam, yeah. the, other, the other piece of it that um, is noteworthy is, you know, people are saying that maybe we're spending on, on mediocre people in the secondary market. The nice thing about the Colt McCoy one is, is there zero risk involved? Because Alex Tanny is on a non-guaranteed contract and doesn't count anything against the cap as well. So, you know, we bring in Colt McCoy, a veteran presence, which Daniel Jones desperately needs now that Eli Manning is gone. And we get to, you know, if, if Alex Tenney wins out the job, great. That would be, that's a best case scenario. Worst case scenario is Colt McCoy is the consummate professional. We cut Alex Tenney and put him on the practice squad and we don't lose any of our cap money. Yeah, no, like you said, I think that this is the I, I, the first time that I've been on say this in a while. It's felt like a smart offseason for the Giants, right? And I, I know that some people on social media, you know, it's been on all spectrums. I think some people are balanced and have taken a look at these signings and tried to say, well, where do we really stand and what's the big picture here? And then there's also been that, why aren't we signing, you know, everyone under the sun? And I, I, I know that this is maybe – been been uh, been stirring Adam, for you a little bit. Adam, Adam, <laughs> you, do, you, do you know how to get me riled up? Can I can I just can I just jump on my soapbox for like twenty seconds here? Feel free, sir. So, I if you go on Twitter and you look at what the Giants have done, there is almost no way that the Giants could have won this offseason in the mind of, of of Giants Twitter. You know, everyone's saying, we need to sign big free agents. We have to sign big free agents. We struck out in free agency. We're terrible. We're terrible. We're terrible. You know, I look at it and say the Giants balanced out a roster that, was, that had no depth and was completely de depleted after, at the end of the season, right? Then you have the other faction of Twitter. It's like, why didn't we get Jadavian Clowney? Why didn't we sign, you know, Byron Jones? Why didn't we go after these top talents? And if we would have done that, you would have had people come out and basically say, why are we overspending at one position? We're not one player away from winning a Super Bowl. We need to balance the roster. We need to get better in all areas, right? And there's just, just this back and forth of complaining constantly about what moves the Giants are making. And it's extremely frustrating to me. And, and the last thing that I'm going to say, which is the absolute delusion of the majority of, of Giants Twitter, is basically them thinking that the Giants aren't pursuing these free agents. It's a two-way street. The guy has to want to come to your team. It's not just, oh, we want him. Okay, we'll just give him money and he'll come there. No, these guys get multiple offers. They're from different places. They have different experiences. Look at Chris Harris from, from the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. He was one of the premier 
cornerbacks that was out on the market. He signed a two-year, $20 million deal with the LA Chargers. Why? Because he wants to be in LA, right? The Giants could have thrown the bag at him and it wouldn't have even mattered. He said he turned down bigger offers from other teams. So I'm, I'm just frustrated that the Giants couldn't have won the offseason no matter how we did this whole thing. I actually, you know, give them a, a decent grade going into this. I don't think they hurt us in any position, but man, oh man, like, can we, can we cut them some slack when they actually make some sensible decisions? Well, you know, and it's funny too, because I, I got into a couple and there were, there were good conversations on there, but it was talking about, you know, the, the blame and Dave Gettleman and where he stands and how, if you were going to, you know, if you're going to get rid of Pat Shermer last year, then you should have gotten rid of Dave Gettleman as well. And I think this offseason to me, maybe is an indicator of, of what Dave Gettleman was being asked to do initially when he came into the Giants and what he's being allowed to do now, right? When he first came in, he wanted Pat Shermer, and that's fine. Over the course of his time, Shermer showed that he had some play calling, you know, player management, clock management, all these issues that go into that, and, and that's why you end up moving on from him ultimately. But when Gettleman first comes in, the idea is we, we, want to, we want to compete now and build for the future. And as he acknowledged in the offseason, it's a really difficult thing to do. And also, it, it turned out it wasn't, I wasn't able to do that. We couldn't do that. So now in this offseason, you're seeing probably a, a, a truer representation of how Dave Gettleman wants to approach an offseason. He wants to make the team marginally better across the board. And I said, I, I said this on the last episode, raise the floor of the team, get better depth across the board, spend money wisely, don't overspend money in free agency, and then go ahead and build yourself through the draft and every offseason continue to be in a position to say, if we see that big time free agent that we think is the missing piece on defense or on offense, we can go and pursue them. But to go out there, I mean, the weird thing is to your point, man, for Giants fans in general to be freaking out about who we sign or don't sign, go back to the Jerry Reese era, right? When, the, when he was throwing money around like it was going out of style, if you spend it in the wrong places, all you end up is with bloated contracts two years later that you can't move on from and the team isn't playing well. So, you know, I, I like to think that as you move through the offseason, and then the draft is the big part of this too, right? Once that supplements what they've done in free agency, then you can have your reactions and I'll probably maybe join you on the soapbox in terms of, of criticizing fans. But as we know, right, social media, Twitter, it's a pendulum swing. Every signing is a reaction who they should have gotten, what they should have done. So I'll be curious to see how Giants fans feel next month once the draft process is complete and we get a real perspective on where this entire roster is going to look. That being said, there's still, there's still players out there now, right? There, there's still some things that potentially could get done here, not just for the Giants, but in general. You look around the NFL right now, this has probably been the offseason of the quarterback, right? A lot of names on the move. And then still a lot of names that haven't found their new teams yet. Yeah, and, and just touching one last thing I'll say about, about the, the free agency signing for the Giants so far is, like we said last episode, a lot of these are on short-term front-loaded deals, which mm -hmm. means the Giants realize we're not going to be competing for a Super Bowl this year, but let's get these guys in the building. Let's get them the upfront cash, give ourselves more flexibility down the road. A lot of these three-year deals are, are generally – two years with the, with an option basically to cut and, and not really get too much of a cap hit. The last thing I'll say on this is the giants are going to have over a hundred million dollars in free agency next year as the team is compiled today. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're building this layer for the future. And like you said, we can go out and spend 25 million on a big time free agent. If we need to looking at how all these pieces fit together. 
Um, when we talk about free agency, it is crazy to me. I mean, Todd Gurley getting r- released, man, what a fall from grace that was for him, uh, for the Rams. Apparently, mm-hmm. you know, all the bloated contracts the Rams signed, you want to talk about going for it. You know, they made the Super Bowl, but they cut Clay Matthews. They're trying to trade Brandon Cooks. They just released Todd Gurley. And by releasing him, it cost them more money than it would have been to keep him on the roster. Um, you know, recent update is Todd Gurley this morning just signed with the Atlanta Falcons on a one-year deal. So he's already found a new home instantly. Um, but yeah, interesting, they, thing, interesting that they went that way because the Falcons yeah. just got under, just got got out from underneath having, you know, what felt like a mistake with the, the contract that they had given out to their running back. They finally get out from underneath that. And I don't know, I don't know what the details are of, of Gurley's contract, but you know, to bring in another, we would call him veteran, veteran running back with some injury concerns. It's just, it, interesting that Atlanta chose to go that route. Well, you know, he does have familiarity with Georgia being from the University of Georgia. So he's kind of like the native son coming home for them, I believe. I know right. he's, he's from Maryland originally, but, you know, he went to the University of Georgia, embraced it there. It kind of feels like one of those signings that also will help in the fandom in, in mm. area and selling tickets rather than, you know, consistency on the field. But, I, I mean, it's a one-year deal. If things don't work out with him there, uh, I, I, don't, I don't see too many issues. When we talk about the free agency that's still out there, you know, two of the big names for their quarterbacks that maybe not on necessarily on the Giants radar is Jameis Winston and Cam Newton. Um, they're both sitting out there for two drastically different reasons, I think. Um, one, you know, and I want to get your feedback on this, Adam. I think Jameis is out there just because he turns the ball over so much. You know, he's the first 30 touchdown, 30 interception guy. He had 34 turnovers in total last year. Uh, I think he threw six pick sixes. He was a turnover machine. And people are saying, you know, look at, look at the Chargers. They're basically saying, we'll go with Tyrod Taylor, who's not as explosive, but he's not going to turn the ball over for us. Um, and then you have Cam Newton, who, you know, went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, was the MVP of the league, went 16-1 or, or whatever it was through the playoff run. Um, I think that teams just don't know if he's healthy. I don't that no one's seen him throw a ball in the last six to nine months. But and he I hasn't been released yet, though, has he? No, he hasn't. So, but- so, so, so the difference there is that, you know, technically right now it's, you know, a team has to come and trade with Carolina to get him. I think the teams will be just as, in, you know, I think the interest level is going to be high on Cam Newton, but I think that teams are just, they're, they're not going to even pretend to have an interest until Carolina ultimately releases him, And then they can go ahead and negotiate with him instead of having to pay out his current contract. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's true. They're like, we don't want to be, you know, if we trade, we assume all the contract. If it, if it gets released, then we can sign him at what we feel is an appropriate number and, and mitigate the risk. Like, we yeah. don't want to give up a pick and have the risk of the contract not working out. Like, completely different scenario, I guess, if he's a free agent. So that, that does make a little bit more sense to me. But, but the, and the Jameis Winston piece, I mean, listen, I, I don't want to, I'm neither going to make a joke or be overly serious about it, but there was just a report that he's getting LASIK surgery, uh, you know, on, on his eyes. And I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell you that that's the reason why he threw 30 interceptions and that he's not going to throw 30 interceptions. I just, I, I said it before, it's a shame that, you know, under Bruce Arians, he, he wasn't able to, you know, rein himself in, you know, you can look at the situation in Tampa Bay, even just on the offensive side of the ball. You know the defense really started to play better at the back end of the year. The weapons that you had, you know, I mean, it's about as good of a situation as you can want as an NFL quarterback. So, you know, you love the 30 touchdowns, the turnovers. If they're just never going to go away, I just wonder what team is probably in a position where it's a net positive, turnovers and all, to just say, yeah, 
come out here and sling this ball around so that we're moving it offensively. Uh, you know, and we'll and we'll take you know we'll take the negative there for Tampa Bay. I think that you know they're in that surge mode. Obviously, they're going to have Tom Brady there now. They're really thinking about look at all these weapons and how we're balanced here. We have a chance to do something over the next year or two. I, I don't know. Right now, they're saying that you know James Winston's probably going to look at having to go in as a quote backup and try to win a job in camp, which I think he'll be capable of doing. And if he's put at the right in the right position, he could easily overtake another starter around the league somewhere. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new to anyone that's been listening to a lot of podcasts or or watching some of the sports talk radio. But, you know, two places that have been floated that have already been kind of shot down is bringing him to Washington where he can compete with Dwayne Haskins and and worst case, he he backs him up. And if Dwayne Haskins struggles, he steps in. Um, You know, they already have Alex Smith and they're like, we want nothing to do with that. No, thanks. The other one is uh, the L.A. Chargers you think it'd be a perfect scenario to bring him in and have him compete with Tyrod Taylor and say, all right, we have polar opposites here. We have a guy that maybe can't stretch the field that much, but doesn't turn the ball over ever. And then we have the electric guy, you know, which one works better with our weapons, you know, our Keenan Allen's Mike Williams, Hunter Henry's Austin Eckler's right. So yeah. I, I see that as a, as a place, but I'm, I'm shocked so far that he, he hasn't found a home. When uh, we'll move on from it after this, but when all the dust settles and ultimately the, the, the thought is, is that ultimately Cam Newton will be released by the Carolina Panthers. Doesn't, I mean, I don't know what the relationship was between him and Ron Rivera, but doesn't that seem like the logical guy to go to Washington at this point and, and come in there and say, all right, I'm going to compete. I'll, I'll beat, I'll beat out uh, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, and I'll be the starter here. And then Dwayne Haskins can watch me for a year, and maybe ultimately Washington wants to move on from him anyway. But as long as that's a as long as that's a a relationship between head coach and quarterback that was strong while in Carolina, I can't see any reason why the Washington Redskins wouldn't want to bring Cam in. Yes, especially given we don't know what Alex Smith's health situation is. I mean, he had that gruesome, gruesome leg injury. Oh, uh, he's my guy, ago. man. And, and, and he's the consummate pro and everyone loves him. He's very similar to Colt McCoy in that regard. Um, but yeah, you just don't know what you're getting. And, and Dwayne Haskins needs someone to push him. They need a backup that is he- healthy. Again, the issue with Cam is, is his health. You know, I would not be surprised to see him in New England once he gets cut. But that's a, that's a whole other ball game. That would be crazy if Bill Belichick had that to, to work with. Um, when we talk about the free agents that are still out there that the Giants might be interested in, can you throw me a name or, or someone that you're interested in that the Giants maybe should take a look at on the secondary market? Well, I'll briefly, I'll briefly look at – this doesn't have to be the focus of it, but running backs, we, we know that we need depth there. You know, still currently available. We mentioned uh, the Atlanta Falcons. They, they cut Freeman. I'm not saying that he's the answer, but Amir Abdullah, Peyton Barber, Melvin Gordon, Frank Gore, Carlos Hyde, you know, Deion Lewis. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of, of available veteran running backs on the market, and this is more would you dip it your toe into that water or would you rather wait back into the draft and you know, take a look at them? Because I, I could make a case for, you know, especially you know, for maybe a, a Carlos Hyde you know, a, a, a Procease, CJ Procease, you know, maybe he's a guy that you want to bring in. Cause I feel like this group of running backs are going to be guys that the contracts are going to be very team friendly by the time they get signed. And I, that makes it palatable to bring one of them in, even if you end up drafting a later round running back. Yeah. I mean, process is, is an interesting one. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know what I think my question is, 
what's the running back that, that gives us a different dimension than what Saquon Barkley does? Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley is a guy that likes to get outside. He likes to catch balls, you know, balls out of the backfield. I kind of look at a guy like Frank Gore. Talk about a great mentor for Saquon. What if we had him as the in-between-the-tackles type of guy that can knock you, knock you out four yards when you need to kind of salt the game away, and you have the explosive guy versus the, you know, the, the wily veteran in there providing some leadership in the locker room? To me, I, I would sign up for that. Outside of that, I probably – you know, Carlos Hyde, fine. You know, Kenyon Drake is still out there. There's a ton of guys that are, that are there. I, you know, Chris Thompson. Yeah, if we can't get a, you know, Deion Lewis, I feel like it doesn't really give no, us. No, that's not. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're kind of in the same boat as me, just knowing that Saquon is a pass catching guy on the outside. So for me, I would probably say it's either Frank Gore for me, or just wait until like the fourth or fifth or sixth round, or even the seventh round, and, and try to get a steal in the draft that can complement on a cheap rookie contract. Yeah, and that's a kid like uh, I've highlighted before, DJ Dallas. He's a running back out of Miami that you can get possibly in the seventh round, where, as we know, the Giants are going to have four picks to utilize there. So that's kind of where I go with it, but I I do think you're right. Someone like Frank Gore, and I know Giants fans maybe get that flash of of bringing in uh, you know, Jonathan Stewart from Carolina, but Frank Gore has shown consistent production. Whereas we, everyone kind of, everyone except for Dave Gettleman in that scenario felt like they knew that, uh, you know, Stewart was done and had fallen off the cliff. So I wouldn't mind it depending on, uh, you know, what the terms were. So we just need to see about that. I'll maybe gloss, I'm going to gloss over offensive line that's still available because I just don't think that there's names here that, that would make any sense at this point. Actually, you know what? I take that back as I scroll through it. Daryl Williams, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, is still out there and available. He, he's played at different positions on the line. I wouldn't mind if the Giants brought him in. And for perspective, it would be in a depth role. You know, obviously he can get in there and compete at the guard positions, quote unquote, but we know we have Zeitler. We know we have Hernandez. That would be another nice depth signing that I think the Giants, you could possibly see the Giants make here. Uh, Just that, you know, you're going to flush out some of those old bodies that you've had in here over the past couple of years, and you're going to bring in some other guys that hopefully bring a higher level of competition and depth. So Adam, I, I don't mind that. I think looking at the offensive line is fine. I think, Signing Cam Fleming and having Gates and, and looking to draft probably multiple linemen in the draft, I feel okay kind of where we are, as mediocre as it might sound. Where I think would be a sneaky and interesting signing, and I've, I've mentioned this person before and they're still out there, is HaHa Clinton Dix, the safety out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people think about, you know, compare this to potentially someone like Antrell Roll when the Giants signed him and he, he kind of – became that stalwart in the back. He was the emotional leader of the team. They're around the same age of when they joined the Giants. You know, HaHa Clinton Dix is 27 years old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off. Bad no, news, buddy. Bad no, news. No, He signed a one-year contract. I'm going to give you a guess about where this gentleman is signed. Uh, you're going to give me a guess. And take a guess. Just take a stab. It, 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 it directly it, impacts the New York football Giants. If I had to guess, it would be with the Dallas Cowboys. Bingo. Uh, <laughs> one, year, one year deal. With how the, much? Uh, it doesn't look like they're reporting it yet in terms of the oh, number. So, so, so it literally just happened? This has come out. This was earlier. This a little bit earlier this morning. Let me see if I can scroll through. But, and I do agree yeah, with you. Yeah. I would have I liked it. Uh, he signed, yeah, it doesn't look like, oh, here we go. One year worth 4 million with 2.5 fully guaranteed. I mean, come on, Adam, 
2.5 guaranteed <laughs> for $4 million. We just spent $4 million on, 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 on a backup linebacker. We can't, we can't get a guy like Clinton Dix into the building, you know, to shrub the safety spot. Oh, now I, that's, I, that's I crippling. <laughs> well, I'm just so glad that I was able to catch it while you were, I, I really like when, right when you're, you're just pumping up the I'm wind into your sails I'm and I'm, yeah. Yeah. And I grab a knife and I slice right down. Uh, I, I, we, we have talked about him, and I, I thought that that would be a nice one to bring in. I do also, though, when you start to look at the Giants roster and in the secondary, the signing of, of Bradbury impacts a lot of these pieces. I think Julian Love is back there, and then also he can slip down into some of your, into some of your nickel or dime packages potentially. I think that the Giants are going to look to bring in a quality player through the draft to maybe supplement that situation. So you just kind of have fluidity there. There's a, there's a name that I've been looking at, and we don't, we're not going to get too much into the draft stuff today, but Tanner Muse is a guy that had a really strong combine. He's a large-bodied safety, and they say he's kind of the reverse of, you would say, like, you know, Simmons, a guy that's playing at linebacker but could flex back maybe to safety. And sometimes this is a guy at safety who's big enough, strong enough that you can get him down into the box at times. And I think – whether it's him or a player like that, the Giants could look to bring in a guy that complements Julian Love and complements Jabril Peppers so that you start to be able to rotate that safety group around and move them around the field as you need to. So that's kind of where I think they're going to go, not not to, to bury the fact that if the Giants were signing high Clinton Dix, I'd be on here right now pumping it up pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty big bummer because he's been someone that I've been targeting in the offseason to say it's probably one of those smart signings, right? You know, if you look at his uh, pro football focus grade, you know, HaHa Clinton Dix last year had a 74.2, which is pretty high up there and considered mm-hmm. pretty solid. You know, there's a couple of other safeties out there. I still do feel like we need safety help. Um, uh, you know, there's two, there's two young names that would go in line with what we are trying to build. Yvonne Bell, the safety from the New Orleans Saints. You know, once Malcolm Jenkins became available, the Saints uh, scooped him back up and let Von Bell go. He's only 25 years old. His pro football focus was not as great. I think he, he graded out at almost a 65. Uh, but he's someone that's young. He's, he's, he's very similar to the, the talent that they've been trying to pick up uh, in the offseason. The other one that is 28 years old, Demarius Randall, the mm-hmm. safety out of Cleveland. He gritted out at almost a 70. So both of them feel like they could be good fits. And yes, I, I, I do like Julian Love, and I do think we have some, some players to cobble it together. But I would love to have a little bit more depth at the safety position. No, and I don't mind. And you're, again, you're talking about probably, you know, that one-year deal, maybe two-year deal kind of scenario. So it's not locking yourself into anything heavy. And I, I will say as the footnote, I know that, you know, I'm a fan of Jabril Peppers, but you have, to, you have to kind of think about, you know, they brought him in on this trade scenario. There's not a guarantee that he's really a long-term, you know, fixture for the New York Giants on the back end. So there is some level of this where the Giants need to, you know, Giants fans should be looking at it as Julian Love, I believe he is a fixture for this team going forward. And then when you get into the draft, you're going to talk about bringing another young body. So whether it's a 25 or 26 year old guy who has some experience and maybe some still upside promise or a veteran, you're probably right that dipping into free agency and maybe just getting a body in the door because the safety that we brought in is purely special teams. Now, do you expect him to see any time on the field like Michael Thomas did once in a while? I think ultimately you'd hope that he doesn't, 
because you you want him to be a pure special teamer. When Michael Thomas was on the field for us last year, it, it was neither here nor there. He wasn't terrible, but it's not what he's there for, right? So uh, that's the kind of situation where you think maybe one more body makes sense before the draft. Uh, you know, beyond that, it, it, you can go into de- you know defensive line and edge. You know, we've already touched the linebackers obviously a couple times here. We really we've given ourselves a linebacker and an edge rusher uh, with who we've signed so far. Are there any other positions that you look at and think that there's somebody out there that the Giants be worth sniffing around? To be honest with you, obviously I'd love at least one more edge rusher. Um, I think, you know, we, Marcus Golden is still sitting out there. I don't know what the heck is going on or what his, his demands are, but like, he seems like a guy, if he's not going to get picked up, he's familiar with the Giants system. He knows the players. He said he would like to come back if it's possible if he's not getting the long-term deals that he wants from somewhere else, could, couldn't the Giants kind of stick to this thing and give him a one-year, $8.5 million, $9, $10 million deal just to keep him in the building to make sure that we have some semblance of a pass rush? Yeah, listen, I, I, would, I wouldn't hate it. I think that if you're Marcus Golden, you came off of those injuries and you start to sit there and say, I, I did the one-year deal and I proved myself, you know, he's, he's probably looking for the stability. And I'm thinking – while I wouldn't mind having him back on a one-year deal, my thinking is he probably signs somewhere else, not necessarily for a big contract, but maybe something where he gets either guaranteed money or you know the, the years on the contract are going to be a little bit more in his favor. So that's probably at least what he's holding out for. Whether or not he gets that, you know, that'll dictate if we end up being able to bring him back in, you know, on a team-friendly deal again. The other names out there, of course, obviously we know uh, Jadavian Clowney is out there. I, I just don't see the Giants being a part of that unless this keeps shrinking in terms of what the expectations are for a contract. Everson Griffin is also there. And then a guy like Cameron Wake is also out there. You talk about a veteran presence, obviously uh, closer to the end than the beginning, but a one-year deal for a guy like Wake wouldn't be something that I would scoff at if the Giants just, again, wanted to bring in, to your point, a little bit of depth, just a security blanket of knowing that you have some type of quantifiable talent across the board before you head to the draft. Yeah, and and speaking about the draft, I think – all the signings have indicated to me, um, you know, obviously in, in, the, in the upcoming episodes, unless there's some groundbreaking free agency news, we're, we're going to get a little bit more in depth with uh, the positional needs and, and the players that may fit. And we'll start doing some of our, our patented mock drafting. Um, but I think we've kind of raised the flag and said, there's only a handful of places that we really need top tier talent. We obviously need someone on the offensive line. I still believe that Andrew Thomas is the guy all the betting odds are now saying that Tristan Wirfs is going to be the first uh, tackle to go off the board. And if but you want to go betting odds, by the way, uh, that you, you pointed it out to me, right? Four, uh, fourth off the board, Andrew Thomas. Some juicy numbers out there. Yeah, he's almost 9-1 to one to be the first offensive tackle taken. And I don't – you know, it's funny how once the tape ends and the combine begins, like everyone forgets how these people played their entire careers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Thomas was a, was a starting – left tackle in the SEC for multiple years for a top five team, right? And he gritted it out well at almost all different facets of being a left tackle. You know, now Tristan Wirfs is a guy that I have loved on this podcast forever, and I still love him and would be happy if the Giants took him, but he has primarily played right tackle. And, you know, the reason why he shot up the ranks is because he is a freak athlete. And when he does some of these bench presses and agility drills, it jumps off the chart, Right. So, I mean, I think we've established that the Giants will need to go offensive tackle with that first pick, if not 
that second round pick. I think it, it would be a, a Gettleman should be charged with crimes against humanity. If we go past the second round pick and we do not have an offensive tackle draft. And I assume that they will, but, and this is the interesting, I, th- I think I floated this thought out on, on Twitter into the, into the ethos there that it, it does, it does, it does speak a little bit to what you've talked about in terms of shifting, maybe Nate soldier around, but I actually, I'm taking it a step further now at this point, when you look at what the Giants have done in free agency, they brought in one player in Fleming for depth on the offensive line. You know, you have to start to think Joe Judge comes over from the Patriots. There's a real sense to me that he comes in the door and says, remember, press conference, right? Put players in the best position to do what they do best and avoid them being in positions to do things that they don't excel at. I could see Joe Judge walking in and saying, Man, you know, do, do, I, do I think that Nate Soldier is a top five left tackle? Obviously not, right? Closer to the end of his career than the beginning of it. But boy, the way that you guys have misused his skill set at the left tackle position is borderline criminal. And when I get in here and I start to get these new schemes set up, you're going to see the real value of Nate Soldier. And again, not that I think he's going to be, you know, a top 10 guy, but he's going to be serviceable and we can live with him at left tackle this upcoming season to, you know, that, 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 that's the first part that that's what I think maybe is going on inside of the giants organization to the extent of even Dave Gettleman maybe saying, right, I brought him in and maybe it's Shermer's fault, right. And how he schemed for our offensive line and putting our players in the best position to succeed. If that's the case, I can make an argument that if you're going to stay one, I can make an argument that the giants aren't going to go offensive line at the top of the draft. And that maybe, you know, Simmons, if that's the apple of their eye and and it fills out this defensive need that they're going to go ahead and do that. And they're, and like you said, still probably want to address an offensive line in the second round, but if they stand pat at four, your guy, Tristan Wirfs might have the opportunity to get taken by the giants because they can say, we're going to immediately move you over to left tackle, but we're not demanding you start year one, right? You can go ahead and learn and develop, and if you naturally beat out Nate Soldier, that's awesome. If it takes you a year, okay, we'll live with it because, again, we believe that Nate Soldier has more game left in the tank. We're going to leave him there. We're going to let Gates compete there for the right tackle position along with Fleming and whoever wins out there. And that's going to be, you know, that, that'll be the, the objective there. And we can plant someone behind Nate Soldier and let him still grow into that left tackle role. Because at, to your point, I think that Tristan Wirfs is the most naturally gifted athlete at the position. And he, given the time, he may end up being the best offensive lineman out of this class. I agree with you, and I have no problem if that's the strategy the Giants are looking to employ. Like, that to me is, is, is great. It's sensibility. It's understanding the personnel that you have and getting the most out of them. My argument, though, it, just in general, is more about making sure that we get a premier tackle in this draft at the top of the draft. We cannot go more than 36 picks in the NFL draft without the New York Giants selecting an offensive tackle. That is kind of where more of my passion lies. If you want to say, listen, we like Jedrick Wills more than we like Tristan Wirfs, like we're kind of splitting hairs with the top four-ish tackles to me. If we decide we don't want to make a run on one of those top four and we really like Simmons and the versatility he brings to the defense or Okuda like locks down everything and then we'd have three premier cornerbacks, like if Chase Young falls to us, if, if there's other places you want to go because it, it makes sense, then 
there is no one else that you can draft, you know, in the second round other than an offensive tackle to me, just because we've been so negligent with how we've managed our offensive line over the last couple of years. Well, and that's why if it's a number four, because again, I'm also along with the same line of thinking as you that Andrew Thomas was the best tackle coming out of college. Nothing about the combine. By the way, he had a great combine as well. He looked like a technician yeah, out did. there. Yeah, so he like, looked great. <laughs> yeah, he did nothing. He did nothing to dissuade you from thinking that he is the long-term answer for your left tackle position. So as all these other names rise and fall, the, the the bottom line is that the Giants could theoretically trade, you know, trade back maybe and still get Thomas because of the way it's falling. But if at four you want to lock into Thomas because you know he's your guy and you just don't want to risk it. I'm fine with it. You know, so the point being is I know that you want to talk about, oh, could they move? Could they get more assets? I think to your point, at four, whoever, whichever the tackle is, you go ahead and you take him there. It doesn't matter if he's projected 14 or six or, you know, or three, whatever it is, and they happen to fall to you, right? You take whichever tackle is your preference. Great. You lock it up and you're done. And then that's because, you know, when you get to the second round, even though there is still going to be talent there, a lot of these mocks are starting to go in the direction where Austin Jackson is off the board. Jones is off the board back end of the first round. So, you know, a guy that I keep mentioning in, in Wananogo, he, he may be available for you in the second round, but there's some, you know, there's some unknowns there. And then it's also about best available and filling other needs on this roster. You get a great opportunity at the top end of that second round to make a big selection for your team, offensively or defensively. I, you know, I can, you can go through the edge rushers that are available out there at that time. You can talk about even the safety position and how Xavier McKinney in a lot of max is falling into that second round. A Chase Claypool who's been rising up, right? So there's a lot of opportunity to fill a need in another area on your roster and fill it with one of the best available talents at that position. And that's why I think as much as – it's like it, it, there's so many swirling notions about it, but as much as I, I – I, can see wanting to go for Simmons there at four or wanting to trade back and get extra assets. I also just look at it and go, get the best tackle that you like at four, get the best weapon that you can get defensively or offensively in the second round. And then, you know, figure out and live with the fact that you have this big gap before that compensatory. So I'll throw you one more scenario that, that, that is kind of insane, but I've seen other beat writers throw it around. And I don't know why it exists for the, only the Giants, but it seems like every year it's, it's a Giants thing. At number four, there's a few people that have us selecting Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Now, what if they run up to the podium and they say, with the fourth pick, the Giants select Jerry Judy, what is Adam Armbrecht's reaction to that? I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it because, you know, because as everyone knows, I just, I mentioned Claypool, you know, second round, I'm, I'm ecstatic to run up and draft Claypool at that point. When you look at the wide receiver core, we highlighted this, right? Sterling Shepard, a guy that I love, but I think internally you can only rely on him for hopefully a couple of good years with his injury history. Now we know Golden Tate isn't going to be there forever. Maybe Evan Ingram is in flux. So, you know, you certainly have Darius Slayton, but this receiving core is going to be changing over the next year or two. So if you want to talk about getting the clear-cut premium wide receiver talent, I'm not going to hate it. But you, then what you need to accomplish when you get to the second pick at four is you have to then trade down and you have to get yourself a mid-second and a mid-third because you're still going to have to fill needs, specifically 
then I want you to get one Anogo, right? Then I want you to get that offensive tackle there in the second. And then the third round pick very well against the grain of maybe what, you know, you're thinking, Andy, or what your preference might be. That may be that center position that needs to get attacked just so that you know, right? You've done things in free agency. Now you need to make sure that you plug these other holes that you need. It, it wouldn't be my, you know, my preference, but if you want to go premium talent, right? Dave Gettleman did it with Saquon Barkley as well right? The potential gold jacket wear here. And that's what he went ahead and did. So, you know, I, I, I would, I, I have to take it in stride and it's hard. It'd be really hard to judge it in the moment. You'd have to see how the rest of the draft plays out in order to, you know, develop a perspective on, do I think they missed, right? Cause if all of a sudden you don't get an offensive tackle until the compensatory third round pick, now I'm looking at that Jerry Judy selection a lot differently. Yeah, and, and that's literally what I was going to say to you is at, when people said it, I was getting angry. I was actually getting violently angry about it. I'm like, just stop this nonsense. I know we love offensive players and offensive weapons, but we need an offensive tackle. But the more I think about it, and, the, and I, I don't know if this was proposed to me or if I just thought it in my head, but if you said to me we could get Jerry Judy and the offensive tackle Jackson from USC in that second-round pick, or our option was to have Andrew Thomas and Chase Claypool with that second round pick. Like that's not a crazy discussion to have, but, but it, it is a crazy discussion to talk about Jerry Judy just in a vacuum without knowing that they're able to get a good offensive tackle in the second round. Well, I'll, I'll paint this picture for you that way. Then, uh, you know, like you said Thomas and Claypool, if that's the one, two punch, I sign off on that immediately. And that's my preference. Th that that yep. is by far my preference. If, if, they're, if they were to be drafting Jerry Judy, I'll tell you right now, again, back to my point, then, then I think they have a lot more confidence in Nate Soldier than people think, and they don't believe they have an imminent need to fill there, and, and they're willing to do it later in the draft or even next draft. You know, that, that's probably where the team would have to be if they were going to make that type of selection. Because again, Jackson, he's going even back into the first round, depending on how these runs shake out, there may not be there at the top of the second round. So if you're going to make that pick at four for a wide receiver, fine, but you have to be a hundred percent pot committed that you feel good as it stands with your offensive line outside of adding probably a center, say who could be your starter in the mid, in the mid to later rounds, you know, okay, fine. You're going to plug in a starting center here. That's it. That's what you're adding in addition to Fleming this off season and the offensive line stands where it is. That's kind of the mentality that you have to bring in. If you're going to go with Judy at four, because otherwise you're just taking way too big of a risk to be plugging needs on your roster by saying, yeah, we'll take Judy now, and uh, we'll see. Someone will be there for us. You know, that, that, that's really a, a pretty big concern. Again, I will give the caveat of Wananogo, if he gets an opportunity, obviously, uh, you know, strange times in the world right now. If he has an opportunity to put film on tape, he is highly regarded as being talented. He's basically seen similar to a Makai Becton. Big body, great athleticism. That would be a name that is going to be far enough back in the second round that the Giants could accomplish the tandem of, say, Jerry Judy at four and then Wananogo in the second round. But again, apples to apples, I'm taking Thomas and Claypool. <laughs> and by the way, I'm taking Thomas and Claypool, and I'm feeling like I won the draft already after two rounds. And you're, you're running, and you feel like you've stolen something. You've stolen, yeah. you've stolen the draft. And, and Adam, you bring up some, some really good points that I think is bleeding us into what our next episode is going to be all about. I think – you know, barring any unforeseen crazy free agent signings from, from the Giants, you know, if they sign anyone else, we'll certainly uh, highlight those at the top of the show. But 
we're going to get into the mind of, of what you think you would do as Dave Gettleman or what I think I would do. And, you know, the listeners just got a, got a small window into where you kind of stand and, and where you sit. It'll be interesting to see whether or not we come out with the same thoughts. You know, we'll probably do the first four or five rounds and just see where we're at. And yeah, let's, let's unpack that. And, and we certainly know how you feel about Nate Solder, but I am curious to see when, when the chips are on the table, what way you're actually going to go. And it makes it really exciting, man, because as everybody knows, we've been doing these mock drafts in the shadows right now, just having a lot of fun with them, uh, you know, and it, it's crazy how each and every time, no, no disclosure of information, but each and every time that I do it, I find myself being presented with different opportunities, with different potential player combinations. And then as you walk through them, you start to, again, take that, that big view perspective and see how many holes did I fill? And how much talent did I get at which position? So it really is just endlessly curious for me about where the Giants are going to go and even where I would go if I were them. So we're going to get into that, as Andy said, next week. As always, we remind you to follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. I've been mixing it up over there on Twitter with a lot of other giant pundits and, and having a lot of really fun conversations and pleasant ones. Andy's getting into the weeds with people. I'm just having good conversations, talking about quality signings, and uh, Andy's getting blocked by everybody. But you can do that. You can also head over to iTunes and download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Next week at some point, we will once again be having uh, Zach from Giants uh, 24-7 on. He'll mix it up a little bit with us on some of these drafts. And then when it does come to the mocks, man, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to really dial this thing up as we build towards the draft and run through so many of these awesome scenarios of trade downs, trade ups, trade ins, outs, and all every which way but loose, friends. So uh, I'm really excited for that. Andy has had to... Pretty much, I think, the last three or four episodes, Andy has to convince me not to dive into mock draft mode right now and just save it because we still have a solid month before, and I, I just, I'm, I'm itching at the trigger. I can't, I can't control myself. He's so, you are so excited to give the listeners the different trade scenarios. It's like you're like the guy from A Beautiful Mind with the chalkboard going right now. <laughs> have to bring you in just to make sure that we, we, could, we could give it to people in small doses. All of the mess and none of the brilliance. That's Adam Arbrecht for you. We will be back next week talking all things New York football giants. And as always, let's go Big Blue.